Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Around the Coin. I got the chance to interview Patrick Kahn. Patrick is the CEO and co-founder at Papaya. Uh, Papaya is a mobile app primarily that uses computer vision technology to pay bills in a matter of seconds. So they have over 86,000 4.8 star reviews in the iOS app store. They have raised over $60 million dollars. And we talked about what they're doing behind the scenes to process bills, to allow people to pay bills faster, easier than previously. Uh, Patrick previously worked at the World Bank, and we discussed his time there at Washington, D.C., interacting with the team and what the experience at the World Bank was like. He was representing or working with the folks down in Brazil. Uh, We discussed inflation Brazil had inflation of 10,000% per year when he was a young boy and he would buy candy early in the morning so that he uh, would still have the money left over in the evening. So we talked about the U.S. inflation, we talked about Brazil, and we talked all about papaya. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Please do take a moment to share the podcast if you do listen to this podcast frequently. It very much helps. So without further ado, here is Patrick Kahn. All right, Patrick, we are live. I'm excited to dive in with you. Like we were saying pre-show, we met about 10 years ago when you were at Idea Lab and I was pitching Idea Lab with my startup at the time, Zing. Um, I, I'd love to hear, sort of catch up, how has your experience in Idea Lab been? And maybe for people listening, just give a, a brief overview of where Idea Lab is and what they've done over the years. So Idea Lab is probably the first incubator and a, a very famous, very uh, very successful incubator based in Pasadena, um, in Greater Los Angeles, and it has created hundreds and hundreds of companies. And uh, it's spearheaded by Bill Gross, and I worked very closely with him. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot of the pitfalls of starting a company. I learned about the importance of passion, uh, how to pitch investors, how to pitch uh, new employees. Um, and it, it was a great, great formative years for me before, right before starting Papaya. Yeah. So th- would you say that they have changed over the years? Have they, have they modified the business model or it's pretty much always been from the early days? Hey, we're looking for ideas from the outside and from the inside. We put some capital towards them, towards the founders and then help them grow and raise the next round of funding. Yeah, that has been the model for, let's say, over 20 years. Um, getting a, a companies as close as possible to ideas, uh, sometimes just the idea, and creating a team, creating a product so that the company gets started. Sometimes, in the case of Zinc, looking to companies like when you were starting, only two people and, uh, and a prototype uh, to, to back. Um, but the model has been very focused on the early stage. Yeah. And, uh, you, is it right to say that you spun Papaya out of Idea Lab? They funded the early days through conception and now you're off and running? Uh, it, uh, it was a little bit different. So I started Papaya, uh, not in the incubation model. So it was my idea and uh, I, I bootstrapped. 
but uh, you know, Idella has been a great partner, uh, and they w- they were part of the first round of investments uh, in the company uh, a few years ago. That's good. That's good. And you guys have done uh, a lot, quite a bit of fundraising, as I see over sixty million in funding over a few different rounds. Uh, what's the what? What did when you started off? As I would understand it, it was I want to help people pay bills better, faster, easier, uh, particularly with an emphasis on mobile, as I understand it. Has that evolved or where do you see the mission today, or the key problem oh, you're solving? Yeah, you summarize it very well. And I think it may be worth giving a little bit of my background because my background is very, very tied with the mission of the company. So I, I grew up in Brazil, a very poor country. Uh, and all my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, that arrived in Brazil with literally nothing. So I grew up in a, in an environment where I had deep appreciation for the luck and fortune that I had. You know, my you know my, my grandparents were entrepreneurs, my parents were entrepreneurs. So I had you know me, a middle class upbringing. I, I had nothing to complain, but with huge awareness of you know how fortunate I was. Uh, things that I, I have three kids here in Los Angeles. I don't think they have the same perspective that I had growing up in Brazil. So I, I've always wanted to have to make the world better, to give back the, all the luck that I had. And, and this is what I've been doing, uh, most of my career, you know, looking to building companies, building businesses or that also have a social impact, uh, direct social impact. And, in the US, and you, you, you know more than most people, in the US, by far, the number one source of stress in American families is finances. You know, uh, approximately 70% of American families suffer around finances. And at the very core of finances for the large majority of, of American families is actually bill paying. And everything that comes with bill paying. Do I have the money? Can I pay la- later? Is the amount right? Uh, am I overpaying compared to my neighbor? Uh, is there a way for me to maybe create installments or, or which bill should I pay if I don't have the money? No, it's, it's very, very stressful. And, you know, given my background, you know, and I wanted to, you know, devote my life to big problems and, um, I wanted to, to just help. Uh, American families on this source of stress. Uh, we saw a huge opportunity early on in mobile bill payments because in the US, differently from most countries in the world, uh, only 2.7% of bills are handled via mobile device. So it's uh, really, really tiny. So there was, you know, a huge anomaly compared to any other, you know, vertical. If you look in e-commerce, e-commerce is over 70% mobile, right? So the 2.7 is a huge anomaly, an anomaly that creates huge opportunity. So, uh, so that's, that's how Papaya started, you know, with the desire to combine this huge opportunity with the, you know, social impact that we can have on eliminating the stress around bills in some, you know, in tens of millions of, of American households. Hmm. Interesting. And is the emphasis on mobile specifically for helping to pay bills that come through the mail as opposed to electronic? Great. So we want to have an impact in all bills. In the long run of the company, we want to be synonym of consumer bills. Um, we are a very customer-oriented, consumer-oriented company. So we do a lot of user interviews. In fact, I give my real email to 100% of our users and uh, to learn from them and see uh, uh, how, how we can do better. And um, when we were building our roadmap, we saw that usually the one-off bills, you know, the medical bills or the taxes or, I know, tickets are actually not only uh, the, 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 the bills that, uh, are harder to handle, you know, uh, you know, th- there's no auto pay, they, you know, they're harder to handle, but also they are those that create the biggest stress. You know, when you receive a, uh, a, a medical bill, I think 
with the exception of when you, you just had a baby. I think all the other medical bills are not good news and they create a lot of stress. So we decided to start where there is an acute problem. Uh, and, but our roadmap is to, uh, to, in, to encompass all of them. Interesting. And, and, and it, did it end up, did you debate the idea of focusing in one vertical? Say, I would think you could almost build a multi-billion dollar business just helping people pay medical bills more efficiently. Uh, you ended up, as far as I can see, pretty, pretty wide ranging across all bills. Behind the scenes, when someone snaps a picture, what, what happens there? Yeah. So, um, how we ended up in, in healthcare is a very interesting story. So we knew about this one off for, you know, that we wanted to help on, on, on that front. And, um, uh, and, uh, we, at the time when we're starting the company, Jason, my co-founder and I, we had no idea how to get distribution. We had no idea how to get people to know that we exist. Uh, so, and we didn't even know whether people liked the idea. So, um, uh, early on, I, I printed out, actually in this printer behind me, uh, 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 many stickers saying Pavia Papaya. And I went to Santa Monica Boulevard here in, in Los Angeles and I followed the street cleaning car. And every time that I saw a parking ticket, I would put a sticker saying Pavia Papaya. And we had a, pro- a prototype available on the, uh, the app store. And people would download the app and which was quite exciting. I remember high-fiving Jason. Oh, we got one bill. And, uh, but the most exciting thing is that people would recurrently use Papaya to pay other bills as well. And, uh, and until one day, uh, you know, and at, the, at that time, many years, a few years ago, it was basically my co-founder and I making phone calls and, and saying, Hey, we have a, <laughs> have a payment to you. You know, that's, you know, very rudimentary in the, in the early days. And one, uh, medical doctor, OBGYN in Santa Monica who received a payment said, Oh, this is great. Would you mind if I recommend papaya as a payment method to our patients? Because it's, it's, you know, one click and you can pay any bill. It's incredible. And we, uh, and, and, and the person said, can I put on our statements, Pavia Papaya? And I said, no, go, go ahead. And we started to get a lot of patients from that one OBGYN, uh, location. And I went to my kids pediatrician. That was the number two. And I explained the value. And from then to now, so much has happened. So, uh, we have, you know, tens of thousands of businesses in the U.S. recommending papaya to their customers. High concentration in healthcare. Um, let's say 80, 90% in healthcare. So a lot of hospitals, a lot of, uh, 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 you know, individual practices. Um, but also many cities, especially in, on the East Coast are recommending papaya as a payment method, uh, to collect property taxes. And, uh, more recently, uh, if you are unlucky to go to Las Vegas and get a parking ticket, um, it, they all come with Pavia Papaya, which is a k- kind of a full circle story, right? We started like with these stickers, right? So we, we do have high concentration on healthcare, uh, because that's a, a lot of what our users are, are, uh, are focusing on. Uh, we, uh, we have this debate. Uh, quite a lot, Mike, on, you know, we could just focus on healthcare and be 100% healthcare and go deep in healthcare. Um, but we, we want to go broad. We want to have an impact in, across all, all verticals. And, uh, you know, we have a quite ambitious roadmap ahead of us. And, uh, we, we believe we, we can help, um, uh, all, all the verticals. If you own crypto and leave it on the exchange where you bought it, like Coinbase, that is a mistake. We've heard the news lately. Exchanges closed, accounts frozen. We're learning the hard way that crypto on exchanges is not really in your control. So what can you do about it? Well, you can get a crypto wallet and control the crypto yourself. And that's why today's show is sponsored by Zen Go. These guys realize that 
storing Bitcoin and storing crypto yourself can be difficult. It's risky to keep private keys. They realized this and said there's got to be a better way. So they created a crypto wallet that is fully recoverable. So say goodbye to lost Bitcoins. And the security of this wallet is incredible. It's a hacker's worst nightmare. They use a three-factor authentication, including 3D biometrics, so no one can access your wallet except for you. And Zengo realizes that at different levels of the crypto journey, you have different needs. So they offer 27 support and have real people that are available to contact directly within the app. They have a bunch of different coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tezos, and more, and they have all sorts of NFTs available as well. So now for the first time, you can keep your crypto safe with the same tools that the big guys have used for years. Download Zengo, that's Z-E-N-G-O, and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's $20 back for your first purchase of $200 or more. Use code ATC and check out Zengo. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Patrick. So we are back on after a quick commercial break. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, you were, you were talking about the differentiation in the medical bills. You started off in uh, allowing people to pay via their parking tickets. When, when Vegas is printing off parking tickets and including a link to Papaya, what's their incentive? Like, Why would the city of Vegas uh, do that? What's the incentive for businesses? Well, there are many incentives for for businesses. So uh, one of them is our experience is very, very magical, right? So, you know, if you're a business, you want to create the best payment experience for your customers. Um, And so that's one reason. The second one is is the obvious, right? Uh, Offering a very frictionless payment experience immediately translates into earlier payments. And we have a lot of data into how, you know, how, how much faster uh, uh, the, the, their customers would pay. But more importantly, in, we have facilitated payments to hundreds of thousands of businesses in the US. And so in the case, let's say, in, in the case, let's say of, of Las Vegas, they were already receiving payments organically from their, uh, you know, for, from from the payers, so we had like clear evidence that uh, our uh, our technology and, and the the people paying preferred our technology to any method they were offering at the moment. Uh, so you know, we have a lot of let's say qualitative and also quantitative uh, benefits to offering papaya. Gotcha. And, and and the key behind the scenes step you're doing is when you receive the image, you run a, uh, a an artificial intelligence over that to detect the, I suppose it's optical recognition where you're detecting the text of the, on the image. And then are you, is there a team of people manually behind the scenes entering it in for some of the more obscure bills? And then you have APIs for more of the, the popular uh, vendors out there, or how, how is it working behind the scenes? Yes, you described it quite well. So our uh, microfounder uh, Jason Meltzer, uh, he has a PhD in computer vision and automation, and he for many years worked at iRobot, you know, developing the computer vision for the Roomba. So our uh, technology works in many ways similar to, let's say, one 
the Roomba. The Roomba, the vacuum cleaner, they, it comes to your house and it has to learn quickly the shape, the floor, and simply work no matter how, uh, how the house is laid out. And similarly, uh, that our technology works exactly the same way, but for, for bills. So we scan the image and we extract all the information and make sense of it. Uh, and no matter the shape, how the information is, is posed. And in many cases, I love to rip bills apart and shuffle the parts around. And in most cases, even with that scenario, our technology will work. Uh, so it's a very robust computer vision that we we have developed, uh, and it works in fraction of a second. Um, but also, you know, uh, for our uh, part of the magic of Papaya is the ability to pay any and every bill, and uh, we have developed eighteen methods of payment automation that goes through exactly w- what you described: uh, APIs, uh, direct integrations. Uh, web automation, IVR automation, and a lot of different, uh, we have uh, PCI and HIPAA compliant dashboards that we give to certain uh, verticals of business. And in the very long, 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 long tail, which is approximately 2 to 3% of our volume, we have to rely on USPS as a, you know, as a safeguard, you know, mailing, mailing the payment. Uh, but it's very, very small. And, but more, more importantly, we always disclose to our users how we are paying and expected timeline so that there's no surprises. And as you know, in managing user expect- expectations, the most important thing uh, that, that we, we could be doing in bill payments. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and, and what would you say percentage wise of the payments that are happening automated on the back end versus manually by someone on your team? Yeah, so uh, approximately, so over, so on the computer vision, it is uh, close to 100% automated. Um, uh, You know, the small percentage that is not is just used by our engineers to improve the the technology. So on the computer vision, we have very, very robust technology. On the payments, uh, we do have a team that um, works with exceptions. Right, so our our uh, computer vision already knows when there, we do not have information how to fulfill a payment, and we have a team of operations specialists that would uh, uh, create, you know, input in our system how which of the eighteen methods of payment automation it should be used, and but it's very small, a small percentage, and decreasing. A decreasing percentage of because I understand the the optical recognition would translate a image into text but then once you have the text you still need to send the payment to the right the right vendor or the right person uh mm-hmm. that part of it is largely automated as well yes it's largely automated you know we have technologies for instance that recognize websites and automate the payment to to websites we have technology that uh automates ipr systems uh, or if we have api integration with Merchants, it goes via via merchant. Now, if there's not enough information on, on the bill that we can automate, uh, there is a manual review uh, uh, process. However, you know we've been in business for many years, and large majority of merchants we have already paid uh, a bill before, so we already have in our system how to fulfill that payment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. And so where do you see things going? The the papaya has raised, uh, over 60 million. What do you view the majority of those funds going towards? Yeah. Large majority of funds will go to product. You know, we are very lucky in, uh, you know, in, in FinTech, one of the most expensive uh, 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 components on uh, fintech is actually marketing is a, a customer acquisition right so uh, in fintech it usually costs you know lowest fifty dollars at in, in most most cases a few hundred dollars to acquire a new active users in our case we have a customer acquisition essentially of zero so we have very little marketing expense and we we uh, we acquire what Anything between three to five thousand new active users 
every single day with zero marketing costs. So it's a, it's a blessing that we don't have marketing budget. So most of the, where we are going to allocate this funding is on product and engineering. And our roadmap is, is very ambitious. So we want to naturally increase the, uh, the, the, breadth of types of bills that we pay. So today we're very focused on the one-off bills. So we want to include, uh, include uh, uh, you know, digital bills and uh, and uh, card on file types of bills that are, you know, all of this is in our roadmap, but also develop, uh, address other problems that people have around bill payments, other causes of stress for, for, uh, for the American population, which includes affordability, saving, um, credit improvement. So there are a lot of, uh, uh, we're working a lot in, in increasing the breadth of value that we give to, to, to American families. Hmm. And of the, uh, uh, bills you're paying now, um, do you think of the majority of the opportunity going forward as being the long tail. So if I'm thinking about my own life and then the bills I'm receiving, there's very few that are one off. Like if I get a you know, parking ticket or, uh, you know, some kind of, I guess, a, a bill in the mail for something I didn't pay for some procedure or something, but it's the vast majority of the payments I'm making are handled electronically and, and they're either uh, automated. So it's just on a recurring basis, say for electricity and SaaS services, or they're handled, yeah, pretty much they're all automated. Um, do you have a, a sense for wh- what percentage of the, either the total bills or the total volume of, of money paid is recurring versus one-off like this? I do, I do. And, 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 and you know, uh, definitely we are in a little bubble. So in the U.S., only 17% of of bills are actually placed on auto pay. So it, uh, auto pay is a privilege of a small percentage of the, the US. So even uh, bills that are recurring for large majority of the, of, of the US, uh, uh, people do not put on auto pay because that, you know, if you are on a paycheck to paycheck scenario, it can put you into a situation that you go into overdraft and uh, creating a lot of problems. So um, uh, we do see a lot of our users paying their electricity bill or credit card bills or, you know, on a regular basis. Um, so they're paying, you know, traditionally recurring bills, but that are paid in an on-off, in a one-off type of basis. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know in, in our company vision, of course, we're going to, uh, to address the digital bills as well. Uh, but we do see a lot of traction and a lot of users, uh, using Papaya to pay their recurring bills as well. Hmm. And the revenue model, I've heard you mention that the fact that it's free is important. Naturally, people prefer free things. Uh, if it's no cost to the user, do you factor in a transaction fee, some like 1% to the vendor or how does payments work? How, How does your revenue model work? A great question. So whenever possible and accepted by the, the merchant, we finalize uh, transactions using uh, credit card rails, so using virtual cards. And by doing that, uh, we, there is an interchange uh, being generated that is transferred to, to Papaya. So from the user side, there's no fee. And it will continue like this. Uh, when the, and on the merchant side, the only thing that the merchant has to pay is the credit card, uh, credit card fee that it was previously negotiated with their merchant processor. And we monetize that way. Got it. Got it. And is it a, is it a straightforward like 1% or is it negotiated with each merchant of yours? So we, we make money from the issuing side of, you know, because we're issuing the card. So, uh, what, what the merchant pays is whatever the merchant has negotiated with their merchant processor. So, uh, and part of the interchange ends up being transferred to us. Oh, okay. So example would be credit card, uh, customer scans a picture of a bill. 
the customer enters their credit card, uh, you're, you're charging the customer's credit card. Is that right? And then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's use a use case. Uh, let's use a use case that it's a little bit simpler. Let's assume that you, the user is using their bank account. Okay. And so we, 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 we let's say a hundred dollars, right? Uh, we, uh, we, prepay this $100 and we include in a credit card and we transfer the, we give the full $100 to the merchant. Uh, the, the merchant will pay their regular credit card fees. Let's assume it's 3%. Let's just, just throwing a number. Let's assume it's 3%. Part of the 3% will be routed to Papaya. Because we are the oh, I see. Okay, so in the case of a bank of transfer, card. right, 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 right. And so there's in a bank transfer, there's no or there's very little fee compared to a credit card, right? So correct, correct. Would it be true to say that papaya papaya has an incentive to have users use a bank transfer and then charge right. uh, kind of a correct. correlated credit card fee to the merchant? Correct. So our business model is highly dependent on the source of funding. So whenever users use a cheaper uh, uh, source of funding, so ACH is, is the best example, uh, is it is where our margins are bigger. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's a very variable per customer. And do you think of the customers as being... Um, like, how do you segment out the customer demographic? Is there people I imagine who are going paycheck to paycheck without auto pay tend to be in the lower income demographic? That could be just purely a function of age. It could be uh, location. It could be occupation. Uh, there are certain things that you think of when you think of who you're helping on the customer side. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it, it's fascinating to see uh, demographics of our users. And uh, there's a lot of behavior, very interesting behavioral things uh, that we can learn. One of them, and I can tell you many of them, but one of them, uh, who, who would you guess pays the bills in the household? Uh, usually the, let's say, the, you know, the, the mother or the father or uh, the woman or the, or the, or the you know, who, who we think the family uh, makes the payments? Mo- mostly women or mostly men? I would guess. I would guess that's yeah, a good question. I would guess I would guess seventy percent men. It's actually seventy percent women. Women are the the uh, those that actually make the payments of the bills. And if you were to wow. guess a weekday, yeah, what weekday where people make payments? When when would you guess that it's the day that there's one day that is an absolute peak? When would you guess? Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I would guess Sunday. Yeah, Sunday is actually the trough. It's the day that no one wants to pay bills. Uh, it's actually the day that people <laughs> oh God. really want to pay I'm bills. Over two. Uh, yeah, over two. I, I can get, continue going until you get one point. But uh, the way uh, <laughs> um, uh, Monday, Monday is the day that people really pay their bills. And, you know, weekends, people do not want to pay the bills. It's a relaxing, relaxing week. No one is stressed about bills. So people save their, their bills and they pay on, on Mondays. Uh, we we see a lot of very interesting uh, demographics in our users. We see uh, people paying, um, like in terms of age, uh, we see uh, a lot of, as you would expect, millennials, like, you know, on the 30s, very uh, one one peak. But actually, our biggest peak is around the 55 to 60 years old. That's when we see a lot of, of, of our users uh, leveraging our technology, which at first came as a surprise. I uh, was not expecting, I was expecting younger demographic to, to, to be using papaya. Um, we see a lot of people, uh, who have, uh, small businesses, uh, leveraging papaya. So they have a lot of bills, uh, a lot of people with health conditions. We, we see, you know, high, high usage. And we do see a lot of people in the uh, lower income, uh, demographics that, hate auto pay and, uh, do not, you know, do not want to, uh, you know, to have the risk of an overdraft and they use Papaya for their payments. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think about, uh, 
growth? I mean, how do you think about specifically product strategy? Because in a landscape of payments, it seems like things are changing faster than they have been relative to other industries, and especially so in the last few years, probably due to crypto as a catalyst for this change. Do you do you have a process or do you just like on the scale of or on the spectrum of, you know, kind of just go with your gut all the way to being hyper quantitative? How do you think about product strategy and, and what, what you build? Because you can, you can go in so many different directions. Yeah, so we learned that there's one way that always solves our product strategy angles, which is talking to users and learning what they want. Uh, we have made, and I have made ma- many mistakes by, you know, following, you know, having ideas based on the news or what's sexy or what I think I would would like, and and when we test uh, with actual users, uh, it's a failure. Um, and so we got into the habit of always talking to our users, learning what they want, do small, quick quick and not so so quick tasks uh, b- before b- b- building our roadmap. Uh, so uh, in, in bill payments, um, something that our users really want, and I, I would not expect that that would have been the case, uh, they're very excited about building credit. Uh, I didn't know that it would, would be one of the very, very top. Uh, so uh, so we included in our, in our roadmap. Uh, ro- sorry, uh, product roadmap ways to improve credit, um, um, but you know uh, it, it always goes down to to talking and listening to to our users and customers. Yeah, I- I'd like to talk about credit for a minute. I I find the concept of credit fascinating historically, and then when you think about the future, I'm I'm quite convinced that it has to change. Credit historically has been, from the most abstract sense, a, a a way of valuing your likelihood to pay back a loan. And the way that we've done it in the U.S. is we form these oligopolies where there's Experian and TransUnion and Equifax. And these three are like giant databases collecting people's credit. They're, they're creating people's credit scores by collecting people's past payment data and all sorts of other data. Is do you see or do, do you have a feeling as to how credit scores and the concept of evaluating someone's ability to pay back a loan is going to change? Or, or I guess, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So uh, stepping back for thirty seconds, uh, credit score is one of the components that most impact people's lives. You know, if you don't have good credit. Uh, credit score, you cannot, uh, buy a car or a house or have access to low cost financing. And if you do not have that, you're excluded, right? From many things of society. So it's a very, very crucial topic. And, uh, while I don't have, uh, uh, you know, specific solution to fix it, you know, and many people have different, different angles. What I do know is that, you know, info data related to bill payments has not been appropriately used for credit scores. Uh, and more specifically, uh, healthcare type of one-off type of bill payments, you know, someone who's paying the healthcare, uh, bills tend to be very responsible and, um, and, should have good credit credit score and it's not appropriately reported. So we have a lot of data. You know, it's early stage what, what we're looking to, but uh, but we would love to find ways to contribute to improving uh, using the data we have to improve our our users' uh, credit score. Yeah. Do you have a sense? I mean, you're, you're from Brazil, as you mentioned, uh, how is papaya? Are you thinking about, or are you currently in, uh, other countries is the landscape of, of building credit much different, a concept in other places or have many countries, at least in the West. And and it's okay. I don't know how familiar you are with this, but I find it fascinating, uh, whether other countries have utilized a similar, mechanism of empowering a few private companies to maintain kind of a, a public repository of credit? 
Yeah, Brazil actually, uh, Brazil dynamic is very similar to the US. There are few agencies with a lot of power and holding uh, of the, the data, private companies. Uh, but we as a company, we're very US focused. In the US alone, there are four trillion dollars of consumer bill payments per year. Uh, and just to put it into perspective, uh, that's three times Braz- entire Brazil's GDP. So, uh, you know, right, right now we are highly, highly focused in the US. Um, it's an insanely huge market and we, 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 we could have a huge impact, help so many people right now. Now, uh, the future, what the future brings, um, it could, could lead us to new, 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 you know, opening doors to other countries, but. Uh, and t- uh, for, for a good while, we'll be very focused in, in, in the U.S. You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on Brazil, like namely what what holds them back from f- uh, sort of a, it, it would seem to me like they have all the potential to explode economically. They've got a, a large population, a relatively stable um, uh, military or, or inter-country relationship. You know, you don't hear about Brazil getting in tariff wars with, with other countries. They seem to be positioned geopolitically well for trade. I mean, they're fairly centrally located in South America, close to the U.S., same time zone. Do you see, like, do you have any thoughts on that? Are they plagued with something? I I don't know too much about their economy, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Brazil's economic state? Uh, Absolutely. So for many years, I worked at the World Bank. And the World Bank's goal is to uh, uh, to eliminate the world from poverty. You know, the, the, you enter the building, there's a big sign, the world free of poverty. So while at the World Bank, I was running a lot of numbers uh, to understand which are the biggest drivers of poverty reduction. And it almost always, in a, almost every country in the world, the, the biggest driver from our uh, analysis is company formation. And that's the biggest indicator that the economy is flourishing. So uh, creating companies that have a huge impact in innovation, creating jobs, elevating the income level is at the core of a a high-growth, strong economy. Um, and, And that's partially why I became an entrepreneur. You know, I understood the the impact that I could have creating companies. Uh, Brazil uh, is, is, a, is a great country, a uh, lot of resources, uh, but to start companies in Brazil, it's remarkably uh, challenging. Uh, just to create a company, the bureaucracy is very, very, very large. Um, uh, the regulatory framework often is uh, against entrepreneurs uh, labor laws are extremely restrictive. Uh, so all of this creates an environment that is very, very hard for companies to flourish, to, to start and flourish. Uh, Br- Brazil, though, is going in the right direction, is, is doing reforms and, and moving in, in the right direction. But it, it's something that would take, uh, you know, decades to get to a very, uh, you know, healthy, healthy stage. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it it seems like it would be so 
not, I don't want to say intuitive, but un- easy to understand the predicament you're in. I mean, it, I would seem, I would think that that would be a, a bipartisan understanding that, hey, if, if we want more companies, if we want more prosperity and we want more economic development, that means we need more businesses, more entrepreneurs, more jobs. But then we make it really hard to start a company. It's almost like, where is the logic failing there? Are they internally just saying to themselves, I mean, I'm not overly criticizing Brazil. Many countries do this, uh, you know, the United States included to some extent. But why, why not make it easier? I mean, I would think it's so simple to do. Does it really take decades to change that culturally? Because practically it seems simple to change. Uh, that's uh, that you, you answered quite well. You know there are a lot of forces uh, that go against right. There are labor laws. You know you have to make a more flexible labor law, but that does impact labor. You know, and, and so there are forces against uh, uh, changing regulation. Um, uh, Brazil, for you know, from mid sixties to early nineties, was a very very close country. Uh, very protective of, of its industry. There was not a lot of import and export. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it's, this has been 30 years only, like in, in the history of the country, in, mm. you know, in big picture, 30 years is not a lot. Uh, so it, it is moving the right direction, but uh, it's taking its time. Yeah. So if you were to start Papaya in Brazil, do you think it would just not have the the scalability because of the market size and the ability to hire people easily? Uh, interestingly enough, yeah, starting a company in Brazil would be way more challenging than, than the U.S. Uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but interesting enough, the payment system in Brazil is way more advanced than uh, ours in the U.S. Uh, for bad reasons, but way more advanced. So, um um, in Brazil, for instance, 100% of bills, no exceptions, they come with a barcode. There's a system called Boleto. So every single system, payment system in Brazil is integrated. So if you scan this barcode, the money goes from point A to point B instantly, no matter what. So it's a very, very advanced uh, uh, system. It was uh, created in the 80s when... Uh, and when Brazil had hyperinflation of 80% per month or more than 10% per year, 10,000% per year. Wow. Uh, so it, it had to create a very, uh, very efficient payment system. Um, but that, that's partially why Papaya was created. Uh, because when I moved to the US in 2002 and I saw how bills were, were being handled, that often you have to go to individual websites to, to make payments or make phone calls or, or, or mail payment. That's not how it should be. Uh, so uh, this inefficiency created, you know, a, a huge opportunity. And that's partially why Papaya was created. Wow, that's fascinating. I didn't, I didn't realize that, that the history of Brazil with hyperinflation leading to their uh, centralized QR code payment system is inflation still a problem for Brazil today? No. Uh, since the mid-90s, uh, inflation has been uh, controlled. Uh, but I do remember very vividly in the 80s, uh, uh, you know, when, when I had some lunch money, uh, that I would buy candy in the morning so that, because I knew that at the end of the day would be more expensive. Um, so I, I learned early on how to live with hyperinflation um, as, as a, as a small kid. Wow. It it seems like it's such an enormous, I mean, inflation as a topic really hasn't been part of the public narrative, uh, for most of my life. I'm 34, but recently in the last year or so, it's been a a big deal in the U S is the U S inflation rate has gone up significantly. And I think that, I think we're at what, seven, 8% inflation compared to the typical two to 3%. So it's, it's large, but it's nowhere near 10,000% per year. For a country to get to that ten thousand percent per year, is there just a just an absolute irresponsibility in, in the printing of money, where it's just a um, the money printing machine just keeps on going, and it, it just 
it leads to that? Or are there other, is there anything that you learned having lived through that, that you'd like to share about either what caused inflation, the pains of inflation, what to be aware of as the U.S. inflation seems to be a real problem? Yeah, so it, there are small inflations, and we'll t- address this in a little bit, but 10,000% inflation per year uh, is is actually generated by a huge amount of money printing uh, when there's a big gap from the government. But then it, it creates something called uh, inflationary inertia in which the government has to continue printing uh, so that uh, that's the only way to fulfill its obligations uh, and it cannot stop. Um, and that creates huge problems, huge, huge problems, uh, which we, we, the most important is that if you are, if you don't have a lot of savings, uh, you have, you, when you get money, you have to spend very quickly because you know that net, like the case of me when I had my candy, um, if you don't do not buy quickly, you, you will not, you know, their money will be worth less. So you have to spend immediately all your money. So, uh, if you are in a lower income, uh, segment of society, you, you become very poor. You have some zero savings. Now, if you are, uh, if you have savings and you have access to financial instruments, you can make investments, um, uh, that are inflation protected and, uh, and, and, and actually you can be better off by, by doing that because you have receive up inflation plus a premium. So the effect that happens when there is uh, like very high inflation is that you are tr- transferring wealth from the poor to the rich, which is very, very, very painful. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I you know, I'm not, uh, you know, a specialist to be able to, to make any claim whether the fact happens. Uh, in lower inflation, let's say the seven and a half percent that we see now in the U.S., uh, my, my inclination is yes that there could be some effect, uh, some effect of uh, wealth transfer from 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 the poor to to the rich, uh, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems like it, it, to me, it seems like no one wins when inflation goes up so high because it puts not only an enormous pressure on people who have low cash reserves to spend money soon, it also puts puts a an intangible amount of work on people to change prices and to constantly be evaluating what their money is worth. Like when you buy stuff in the morning instead of saving it, it's like the store owner has to go and change their prices. Everyone has to constantly be working on updating prices, which is just, you know, another tax on people's time. That's true. And managing a company becomes very complex because, you know, when you're managing a company, you do not want, you of course, you want the the team and employees to be very well paid and and happy, right? And uh, it's very hard to to have to constantly understand benchmarks and adjusting uh, compensation uh, so that... uh, the, the team is appropriately, you know, paid for, 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 for their contribution. Yeah. What, what about, what are other things that you may have learned at the World Bank? There's not too many people I've interviewed that have worked at the World Bank. Um, wh- what were you doing exactly there? And, and what was the, what's the culture like inside World Bank? Yeah, the culture was fantastic. And it was probably the most inspiring place that I worked. So, you know, you do enter the building, and you see this big sign, the world free of poverty. And that was the first time that I really learned what it meant to work for a mission, a real mission, something that is beyond yourself. Uh, so, um, you know, the, 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 the culture inside that, you know, I, I would risk to say that no one working at the World Bank is doing that because they want to be wealthy or, you know, make money and, you know, buy Ferraris. I would say that that's not the case. But people are really generally wanting to make an impact and help the world. So the, 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 the culture uh, uh, becomes a very special place. But more importantly, and bear with me because it may sound a little bit shallow what I'm going to say, 
um, is that one of my favorite times at the World Bank was lunchtime. Uh, we, we had like this huge cafeteria and there was food from every corner of the world. And everyone would go there, let's say at noon or, you know, and, and, and there was people from all over the world with all different backgrounds, all different upbringings, race, gender orientation, religion, uh, age, and everyone eating food from all over the world, sitting together, speaking so many different languages. It, it almost felt like an, an unreal, uh, um, uh, component and, uh, and real how, how beautiful it was. And it really inspired me, uh, about the power of working for a mission and also, um, having a diverse team. And, uh, I did bring that concept to, to Papaya. So we, uh, we have, so from our team, uh, about 60% of our team is composed by underrepresented minorities, uh, be it, uh, be it black, Hispanics, uh, or women, which is quite an anomaly in, uh, in startups. But even in our, uh, engineering and product team, 45% of our team is composed by, by women, which is, which is a huge, huge anomaly. And it creates a very, you know, and, and the fact that we are working towards a mission of really impacting American families, uh, creates similar ethos that we have, that I had at the World Bank, right? You, you, you hear in our meetings, you hear people talking about, you know, conversions, interchange, pipelines, uh, sprints, bugs, you hear everything. Um, but you hear a lot people talking about compassion and empathy and how to help, how to, how to re- relieve stress of, of American families. So it's, 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 it's very beautiful. So I, I, I learned, you know, I worked a lot in, you know, economics and reports and advisory at the World Bank, but what I took the, the, the most from my experience is, is working on something that is bigger than ourselves, leave a legacy and work in a respectful, diverse, uh, environment. Hmm. Where were you when you were working there? I, I was based in Washington, DC. Um, and I would, I was focused on Latin America. So I would spend meaningful amounts of time in uh, Central America and Brazil. Yeah, this seems like a really incredible place to be. I wouldn't necessarily think of it from the outside as having never been in in the building or familiar with the organization as inspiring on the inside. Typically, I hear that large bureaucratic, especially governmental organizations tend to be kind of stifling and not inspiring. But that is awesome to hear that it's different at the World Bank and that your experience was so positive. Yeah, my experience was very, very, very positive. Uh, worked with incredible people. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, the older and maybe wiser we get, uh, one of the most important thing, if not the most important thing, is the people that we, that surround ourselves and that we collaborate with. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And what, are, what else do you, do you tend to work, um, when you work, do you tend to be very, laser focused on papaya do you try to read and listen to podcasts uh and try to get a diverse perspective do you have thoughts on working itself i'd love to hear what your production function sounds like a good question i never really stopped to even think about that question um i am very 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 focused on papaya i spend a lot of my time you know reading, understanding, looking metrics, talking to, to people, uh, in the, in the companies to help, uh, uh, to support them. Um, I'm very, very, very focused. Um, but, but I, I have really changed, uh, during the years, uh, you know, when the company started, uh, I was very hands-on, had to be hands-on. So I was doing everything. I was doing product, I was coding, I was, you know, writing emails, support, uh, financing, you know, e- everything. I, d- I don't think there's any mm-hmm. uh, component. You, you, you've been there, you know exactly uh, exactly what, yeah. what the early yeah. stage is. Um, 
But especially when we reached 20, 25 people, um, I, I, I realized that my role had to change and uh, I could not be hands-on uh, anymore because I would remove people's independency and creativity and ability to, to take decisions and uh, I'll be actually slowing down the company versus accelerating. So I moved from that, you know, very, very hands-on, looking at every, you know, every little metric and having an opinion, every little color of what we're doing to a, a, a more uh, uh, hands-off and e enabling people to, to make their decisions. And I think it was, it was, it was a hard transition uh, uh, for me, uh, but, uh, but absolutely the right one. And how many people now work in the company? We are uh, anything between 80 and 90. Uh, and right now we have people yeah. all over the world. Uh, we, have, we have people in Latin America and in Europe uh, and, 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 and in different places of America. We became a very, um, very distributed company. At, at, specifically after COVID? We were a little bit before COVID, very little. Uh, but you know, during COVID, we uh, we we became a completely distributed company, and we are committed to remaining like yeah, this. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, are, yeah, it, it's amazing how how uh, popular that that strategy has been. Are, do you have an office located anywhere? I imagine you have a consolidation of people in maybe Southern California when you, you were local only. Um, yeah. Do you do that at all? Or yeah. is it everyone's a hundred percent remote? We, we do have a small office in Los Angeles, uh, but it's used occasionally for, uh, for meetings. Uh, it's, it doesn't have room for, for everyone. It's a very, very small, um, uh, occasional, very occasional use. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you guys. And are you planning on launching anything new or any new upcoming announcements that you want to throw out there or any calls of action, things you wanted people to hear about, um, places you write or are active on social media personally, anything else you want to throw out there? No, I'm actually, uh, quite reserved. I'm really focused on, on building. And in fact, uh, until recently, we would not do anything related to PR. Uh, we're very, uh, we're growing organically. So we had that benefit for us. Uh, and we were trying to be as much as possible under the radar. Um, and, and it, it worked, it worked out quite nicely for us. So just to, uh, to explain, like, even though we're like under the radar, I've never like writing, uh, um, uh, no blogs and very selective on podcasts. Um, uh, like today, Popeye is the third best rated app, fintech app in the world. And, uh, if we remove from all fintechs, banks and credit card companies, anyone who has a checking account or a credit card, Popeye is the second most reviewed app in the app store, uh, approaching a hundred thousand reviews. So, uh, it's, it, you know, despite being, being quiet and under the radar, it's been working for, for us. Yeah. I want to, I'm just so curious about that. It's 85, 86,000 reviews in the app store on iOS with a 4.8 rating. Are, is there a internal, um, feedback that you're giving, like people scan their first bill, they, it says success. Would you like to leave a review in the app store? Is that what's driving so much of that growth? It's, it's part of it. Yeah. Um, uh, we do not, yeah, I, I don't know for sure exactly how the mechanism works. Um, but you know, that is, uh, you know, that is something that, 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 you know, they may be prompted to, to leave a review if they want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Well, it sounds like you got, are you, and you're going to be focused on, um, business sales. It sounds like that's the majority of where your 
focusing like obviously the Vegas deal, having the city of Vegas as a customer or vendor is a big deal. Um, other cities similar to that or other vendors would be what you're focused on now? Yeah, there are a lot of, we call them partners, right? Yeah, so there there's a lot of partners in so many different verticals that are rolling out our technology uh, in the very near term. We're very, very, very excited about, about, about what's, what's coming. I'll keep it uh, sup- uh, a surprise. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Patrick, thanks for coming on, man. I really enjoyed our conversation. We talked about a lot from the origin of Papaya, how you guys have structured growth internally and product and the World Bank and your thoughts on Brazil and inflation. I really enjoyed the the perspectives that you shared. So thanks again for coming on today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's great to catch up. All right. Take care, Patrick. All right. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, there's a reason the ultra-wealthy have been investing in fine wine for centuries. Historically stable returns and a lack of volatility make it stand out compared to traditional assets, especially during a downturn. But now you can invest alongside with them with Vint. Vint is an SEC-qualified investment platform that offers shares of the most sought-after wines in the world. So join the thousands of investors diversifying with fine wine and spirits. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co.